0: folks, just so you know, there is a mention uh, in this podcast, so a content warning for a mention of suicide. Thanks. and Welcome to You Love to See It, the podcast where we watch TV shows and movies and tell you all about them. I am your host and easy rider, if I do say so myself, Danielle Riendo. I am the EIC up in these parts, and I am joined today by my uh, companion on the road, Merrick Kay, Features and Trending Editor at Fanbyte.
1: Hey, what's up, Um, Captain America? (laughs) Uh, Hey, partner.
0: Hey, uh, hey um i'm trying to remember some of the things they call each other they pretty much just call each other hey man so yeah they're that's like hey dude thing. and then it's hey, like dude. dude
1: what do you mean dude like a dude ranch
0: <laughs> dude like a regular person no, Dude, just like
1: an average guy you know just like a cool guy
0: it's like a cool guy we, uh, we watched a true classic today. We watched Easy Rider, which I'll read the description right here. A 1969 American nice. independent road drama film. That's all in extra blue from this Wikipedia <laughs> description. Written by Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, and Terry Southern. Produced by Fonda and directed by Hopper. Fonda and Hopper play two bikers who travel through the American Southwest and the South, carrying the proceeds from a cocaine deal. The success of Easy Rider helped spark the new Hollywood era of filmmaking during the early 70s. I'm gonna read the next graph as well because it's kind of important to what's kind of going on here. It is considered a landmark counterculture film and a, quote, touchstone for a generation, unquote, that also, quote, captured the national imagination, end quote. Easy Rider explores the societal landscape issues and tensions in the United States during the 60s, such as the rise of the hippie movement, drug use, and communal lifestyle. Here's a real good one. Real drugs were used in scenes showing the use of marijuana and other substances. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think this was one of your picks, Merritt. Um, I'm wondering why you wanted to watch this very classic <laughs> film that uh, we definitely do a lot of fun with in film school. I think it's pretty much like required reading in film school, but I have not watched it since. And I don't think I've yeah. watched the whole thing. So Yeah.
1: So this is one of those movies that I had seen like visual references to in like a lot of different media. Um, So most recently in The New Pope, uh, which is the sequel series to The Young Pope, there's a scene where uh, what's his name's character? The New Pope um, is John Malkovich, John Malkovich. Before he becomes the new Pope is watching Easy Rider with the Vatican PR lady. And they like <laughs> later end up getting together. But like they're watching the end of Easy Rider and he talks about how he likes Dennis Hopper. Um and then also in uh one of my favorite shows, The Venture Brothers. Yeah. The uh the first season ends with the ending of this movie. <laughs> um it ends with the, the Venture Brothers on motorcycles. And um, someone shoots at them with a shotgun, and they die. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of curious about it, um, you know, because it is so foundational. I feel like for yeah. um, for American cinema in the the latter half of the twentieth century, and um, had never seen it, and so I figured, you know, why not? Why not watch yeah. it with someone who has uh, has studied. The blade that is the film.
0: <laughs> I guess you could say that, at least to some extent, right? It's not like I took a class on this movie or anything, but you pretty much have to take courses on, um, you know, film history when you... I went to production school, to be clear. I was not a studies major, so I couldn't tell you a lot of the theory behind a lot of things. I could just tell you the basics. But yeah, this is really kind of... uh, This and The Graduate, and there's a couple of others that Mm. are like late, late 60s, um, kind of formative for, oh, independent film can actually be profitable. Therefore, it's going to spread kind of a a movement here. So this isn't like an indie, 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 like two guys and a camera. They had a, a real budget. And actually... The music budget was the largest part of
1: the budget. I mean, it, they used like a lot of yeah. <laughs> really well-known rock, like yeah. Steppenwolf, obviously the band, the Birds, the Holy Modal Rounders, Jimmy Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix yeah. Uh, yeah, so Great like yeah, music. a lot of that's The budget was uh, about four hundred grand,
0: which is not nothing and, for uh, then by any means,
1: right? So, yeah. But it made sixty million dollars, so
0: yeah so good yeah. work
1: everybody involved um, <laughs> actually I was reading I mean before we get into like the film itself but I was reading yeah. about the making of this film and it's just like so weird and it seems like it was kind of tortured uh, yeah maybe not yeah. maybe not actually so much the shooting itself but like the writing and then like the post-production stuff yeah was really like contentious there were like a lot of fights Um. Like the credit for the script. Some physical fights. Some physical fights. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, Rip Torn almost attacked (laughs) Dennis Hopper because he was yelling about rednecks. Uh, Because Rip Torn was supposed to be in the movie, he was supposed to be um, George Hanson.
0: Yeah, the Jack Nicholson character. He's
1: supposed to be the Jack Nicholson character, which is wild because that role kind of like launched Jack Nicholson's career. Um, Like, well, it made him a star des- for sure. It made yeah. him a star, yeah, and like kind of deservedly. Like he is, oh, he's great. really incredible in this film. But um, yes, Rip like withdrew from it. Um, there was like no screenplay for a lot of the movie. <laughs> they were just yeah. kind of like shooting it. <laughs> um, and then later on, like Dennis Hopper, I guess Dennis Hopper like had all these like flash forwards and stuff like in the like the movie was a lot more unconventional and like there's allegedly cuts of this movie that were like four hours long (laughs) and most of those scenes are just like apparently gone now like they're just lost forever and um they apparently (laughs) sent um dennis hopper to laos um
0: (laughs) yeah i saw this
1: uh wait no sorry uh, Taos, I think. Taos, New Mexico.
0: Yep, 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 not
1: Not Laos. That would have been way better. Slightly,
0: yeah. That's, um, I like that idea, actually, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so they were, like, recutting it, and uh, they, like, bought him a trip <laughs> to New Mexico so that he couldn't <laughs> fuck with them while he was... While they were uh well, the they recut the it. Movie. Yeah.
0: Yep, yeah. yeah. and apparently Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda both only sort of applied screenwriting credit retroactively, like after a, a cut yeah. or something was was gone through. And so, yeah, there's a lot of strife over who actually wrote it and who actually is credited with what line. And it honestly sounds like this movie was made on the cutting room floor. Like if somebody mm-hmm. gave an editor enough footage for a five-hour movie, four-hour movie, whatever it was, and they just were like, okay, let me create a coherent narrative out of this Uh That seems like it might have been what happened here because this is about a 90 minute movie, which I think is about right, frankly, for the the kind of tone and the pace of what's going on here. This is kind of like basically a pretty loose road trip movie that's just about a couple of hippies, drug dealing hippies, I guess, uh, who have made their score. And they're just like exploring America, man. And like just seeing what America is about, which, yeah, 90 minutes this seems about, <laughs> about correct for this, including uh, all the footage we have here of them kind of on the road, looking at beautiful things, uh, including, I think Monument Valley is in here uh, and a few other like real hallmarks of the American West and the South. Mm-hmm. And Mardi Gras, there is a, an acid trip scene. It really does feel like a collection of scenes um, more than like, oh, a, a super traditional narrative. Uh, in a lot of ways, but that also, I think, fits uh, the tone and the vibe. Do you want to uh, talk a little bit about the intro and and maybe we can we can meander our way on our on our um podcast motorcycles through some of the plot points?
1: yeah. I mean, it <laughs> opens with them like closing this uh, this drug deal. like they they basically smuggle Coke from Mexico to l a and then sell it. And uh, then, like, hide their cash in this plastic tube, like, inside the the motorcycle gas tank. Yeah. Um. And then they're like, oh, we got to get to Mardi Gras. We're going to go to Mardi Gras. Like, that's their whole, like, goal in this That's movie. their whole
0: shtick. Yeah.
1: Kind of. <laughs> except it's not even like they're both really obsessed with it. It's mostly just, like, Dennis Hopper's character, Billy, is like, I want to see Mardi Gras, man. Yeah. And, uh... Peter Fonda's character, Wyatt, and also Wyatt and Billy, um, you know, Wyatt Earp and Billy yeah. the Kid. Yeah. Uh, so this movie is like kind of a a Western, but it th- is. yeah, they just sort yeah. of like stumble along for a while and then uh, like meet this dude who takes them to his commune. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just yeah. like a bunch of hippies like trying to grow food in this sandy patch of land and like they have a mime troop
0: yep, and
1: sure <laughs> it's just a lot and you're like oh is this gonna go bad and it's like no they're just hippies like it's this isn't like a horror movie it's not yeah. like oh and also they secretly kill hitchhikers and stuff like no it's just like they're just like normal dumbass hippies <laughs> um and uh they get lsd which is like The best uh, Chekhov's rifle ever of just, like, when the time is right with the right people, take this. It's like, oh, shit, this is going to be, like, a huge thing at the end of the movie. Like, they're going to do LSD and, like, spoilers, they do. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They
0: sure do. They sure do. Yeah, it's, I think the idea is that they're pretty much high the whole time. Uh,
1: yeah. Throughout
0: the movie, for sure.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that manifests in different ways, right? So, like, Wyatt is very much just like this stoic, just like easygoing, uh, stoic and easygoing kind of maybe uh, contradictory, but you know what I mean? Like, he's very yeah. just like um, quiet and just like contemplative and just like, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's cool, man. And then Billy is sort of a little more hyperactive and, uh, Kind of like a wild man
0: character. He's got that stash. He's got. He's that got stash. that. He's
1: got that nasty stash. Whew. He definitely does have that stash, and he's got the long hair and that hat and everything. Um, <laughs> and like he, a
0: seashell necklace. I think like it's a puka teeth. shell necklace.
1: <laughs> um. Actually, when I when I saw the first scene with him in it, I was like, "Wow, this reminds me so much of Charlie Day <laughs> in Always Sunny," and I yeah. wonder if. Charlie's character is to some extent based on uh, Dennis Hopper in this movie because he also has that kind of like manic affect to yeah. him.
0: That's a, really, but, uh, that's a good call. I, I One note I, I have here about Dennis Hopper's performance is that I was like genuinely worried he was going to just kill everyone at any second. <laughs> he just like feels like a little bit of a time bomb just kind of vibrating and he does get, he has little outbursts here and there, despite being like super high. He's definitely like, yeah. has this anger to him that is like a little bit terrifying at times. Yeah.
1: I mean, he gets into like arguments with people, like even the hi- the hippie, when he picks them up, like the hippie's just giving him like enigmatic answers to all of his questions. Like, oh, I'm from a city. You know, <laughs> all cities are the same. <laughs> And he's like, what do you mean? I'm just trying to ask where you're from. Just give me an answer. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he also gets into a fight when they are thrown into a jail for parading without a permit when they join <laughs> uh, a, a marching band in New Mexico on their motorcycles. And uh, and he gets into a fight or almost gets into a fight with uh, Jack Nicholson's character, who is an ACLU lawyer named George Hanson. Yeah. Who is an alcoholic who seems to land in the town jail pretty frequently because he's on a first name basis with the cops there. <laughs> um, and, uh, but they quickly sort of like hash things out. Hash things out. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> um, and uh, George is like, you're going to, uh, huh, you're going to, to Mardi Gras, huh? Well, uh, uh, I'd like to go there myself, I think. Uh, uh, um just full young Jack Nicholson. Um very powerful, powerful vibes. Yeah. The scene where oh my God. So why it's like, oh yeah, okay, well, you wanna come? You got a helmet? He's like, Oh, I got a helmet. <laughs> and then it cuts to them on the bike, and he's wearing his old timey football helmet.
0: <laughs> It's like bright
1: gold and shiny. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing this football helmet and like sunglasses and like just his suit. And he just looks like he's like, I don't know. I don't even know. Like he fell on his head or something. And it's just like, I got to protect my head, man. Um
0: <laughs> He is. I got to say, he is one of my favorite parts of this movie. Oh,
1: no, he's the best part of the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He also, um, I so I worked at the ACLU for a number of years before I was mm-hmm. in the games industry, and mm-hmm. I gotta say, I knew a lot of ACLU lawyers, and he he isn't too far off the mark, really, on it. <laughs> at, at least of like a certain type. Now, of course, there are like the legislative attorneys, and there are the litigation attorneys, and there's also like attorneys, frankly, that are mostly researchers and things like that, mm-hmm. or who do policy work. So there's like a ton of different types. Of ACLU lawyers, but he struck me as being like pretty close to a few of the folks that I knew there. So I was I was kind of overjoyed uh, for this performance and and everything he's doing here. I feel like ACLU lawyers in film are it's it's like its own subgenre. Like there's there's like a whole class of characters. I think Amy Poehler played one once. I don't even remember huh. in what, but like there's a whole ass thing There's a lot of ACLU lawyers, I, at least in my experience, are like pretty, mm, I would say moderately eccentric at the very least. So there's okay. a there's okay. a beautiful through line here. And also he he kind of reminded me of my dad a little bit. <laughs> my dad is also a lawyer, but he's like a sweetheart and a goofball. And like, there were just things about this that were like, this kind of reminds me of my dad, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I don't think my dad uh, probably ever went across America with a golden football helmet, but, you know, nobody's nobody's perfect, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, his character is really fascinating because uh, Wyatt and Billy are, like, hippies or, you know, at least counter-cultural, counterculture figures from yeah. the beginning. And he is sort of, like, as um an ACLU guy he is kind of like on the margins of of society a yeah. bit but uh especially in the old clear- south
0: yeah exactly
1: yeah but it's also clear that like uh, like oh they talk about like his family and it seems like his character comes from kind of like this very like normative well-off family yeah. and his character to me is almost like someone who is kind of like rebelling against that by just sort of Uh, you know, drinking a lot and being a weirdo. Yeah, and so he just makes this decision, like on the spot, just like, yeah, yeah, I'll go to, I'll go to New Orleans with you. Um, yeah, I'll smoke some of your marijuana, and then, you know, it's it's funny because the the conversation they have is like very similar to the one in um in Walk Hard where sure, uh, he's he's talking about trying. Weird. He's like, oh, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get hooked or nothing. And he's just like, you won't get hooked. And he's just like, oh, okay, well, uh, <laughs> uh, I, just, I don't want to get into any of the harder drugs. And, like, he eventually <laughs> tries that anyway and then gives this monologue oh, about aliens that's, like, oh, just incredible about how the aliens have this, like, advanced society and uh, they've evolved past the need for like leaders or or money or anything like that, and, and war, and um, yeah. and it's it's so great. It's such like a great uh, performance of like someone who is smoking weed and like doesn't <laughs> really realize that they're just talking total bullshit about it yeah. about like aliens or whatever. Uh, it's it's really endearing.
0: He basically is describing Star Trek. Like, the whole time, he's, he's just describing. Like, oh, yeah. he inv- oh, he's inventing
1: Star Trek. Yeah. I think
0: he was.
1: Yeah, Jack Nicholson been, invented Star Trek.
0: Yeah, it would have been, I mean, I don't know if the movie is like, Meant to be contemporary of exactly 1969, but it would have been on at that time. And I like kept thinking, like, what if he's getting high and he's just talking about like an episode of Star Trek he watched like last <laughs> week, and he's just like, Yeah, and they've got technology, so they don't need to worry about money or travel or anything. And he's just like thinking of Captain Kirk, like flying across the stars. I I that's my headcanon, I guess, for it. But it was like really adorable and really cute and very eccentric in the way of like. Oh, you've had a quote-unquote somewhat normal life, and you seem like not a shithead because you're probably defending people who need actual help, which is nice. It's like he's like dipping his toe into the hippie thing a little bit, um, mm-hmm. which makes mm-hmm. it, you know, pretty tragic uh, when they go to a diner uh, in like a really deep South town. I think is the uh, the implication, and this scene is really uncomfortable. Actually, it's pretty fucking weird to watch because the three of them go to a diner. They're just going to eat food. And, like, there's a bunch of local, like, teen girls who think they're really hot. But then there's also a bunch of local guys who just, like, are virulently racist and homophobic. And they're a bunch of white guys. So it's already, like, what the f- what the fuck? Where is this coming from? Where is this anger coming from? Um and it is, I, I think this scene comes right after a scene where he talks about freedom, of course. Another, like, great high monologue about freedom and what, you know, they represent and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, but it's maybe the most uncomfortable scene of the movie. Oh, it's
1: intense, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, so, like, the freedom it's... conversation is, like, um, is George is talking about, like, oh, yeah, like, the reason that you can't, get a motel anywhere because they're like not they're sleeping like just rough constantly in this movie camping out yeah and um he's like yeah well you can't find a motel anywhere because people are afraid of you and he's like what do you mean like people it's like they don't they don't run away and he's like no 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 they give they get dangerous because you like and uh billy just can't really wrap his head around that He just kind of feels like oh people are afraid of us or people don't like us because we look different because we need a haircut uh, yeah (laughs) right and george is sort of bringing this analysis of like well it's not just that it's that you represent freedom and um people like to talk about americans like to talk about freedom a lot but as soon as anyone really exercises it um it makes them uncomfortable and afraid because they realize that like they, uh, they aren't uh, they aren't for you at all. Yeah. Um, so this scene is like just the crux of that in this movie when you have all these guys like these good old boys uh, just really leering at them and just like talking about all the all the things that they think should happen to them and all the uh, the violent things they want to do to them which culminates in them tracking them down while they're sleeping and beating George to death.
0: It's just bananas. Part of it maybe is a tonal thing. Like this movie is so kind of chill in tone and nothing to this point, at least into the scene where they're talking pretty violently, is really menacing, right? The the commune part is so goofy and silly. And even like the cocaine deal is like,
1: it's Everyone's just like, like "Ha okay, we did jelly. it. We're selling cocaine. We bought <laughs> yeah. cocaine." Yeah. yeah, it's like
0: really very, very light and like pretty chill. And then all of a sudden, these guys are real mad that these guys exist. And then they come and like do a murder. It's just, it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like this is fucking wild. I mean, obviously, we see that mirrored at the end, which also is like what the fuck (laughs) just like i don't know uh slightly disturbing i guess especially for people who haven't aggressed on anyone else obviously it ties into the theme and and all that kind of stuff and people have written about this movie as being um you know like a a not unendearing look at counterculture but very much like a not very innocent look at it like looking at it from uh, there are a lot of inherent dangers uh, to being different in America. And that's just what it is, especially in more rural places, which is where they want to be anyway. Something that I kept coming back to you and probably just, cause I just read like a, a book. It was just like a, uh, just sort of a biography of one of the girls who was in the Manson clan and sort of mm. less, less interesting. I was less interested in the Manson aspects than her like recollections of Living in communes and living mm-hmm. in this this sort of life that's like depicted, kind of I think, uh, in a really like cute and, and whimsical way in this movie. But just the kind of dangers of assholes coming into that and ruining it for everybody else. Um, and there are a couple of lines in that scene that that sort of talk about that and talk about mm-hmm. like, okay, well you got to feed everybody, and like there are practical concerns uh, that these mimes are not <laughs> they're not really bringing home food. That sort of mm-hmm. thing. But yeah, there is like this dangerous undercurrent uh, that comes to a head here. And it was pretty disturbing. I was like, is he fucking dead? Like watching this, because I, I had never actually seen this scene before. I've seen a lot of scenes from this movie a hundred times, but not this actual scene. And I couldn't believe it at first. I was like, is that, how is he dead? Like, what, yeah. Why would they fucking kill
1: him? It's, it's intense and brutal. And I think... um <sighs> the pacing really works here because it yeah. is so not movie like yeah. in a way yeah. that's like i don't want to say realistic but like it the way that violence just sort of like erupts and yeah. then is gone um i think is very uh antithetical to how movies usually present yeah. threats or how Hollywood movies usually do where there's like a slow buildup and we can see that something bad is about to happen and then something, you know, something happens, people get into a fight or uh, something attacks. But like there is some of that here, obviously, but like sure. You'd expect the fight or, like, the the stuff to happen, like, right after, like, you know, when – you you expect, basically, them to get chased off when the girls right. are, like, surrounding them. And then maybe that's something terrible happens then. But, like, no, they've, like, left, and it's the middle of the night, and, like, nothing's happening. Yeah. And these guys just show up, beat them to hell, kill George, and leave. And then they're, like, well, what are we going to do? We just have to figure out, like, how we're going to deal with this situation. Um, and it's so abrupt that it's really shocking, even yeah. though, like, the scene itself, like, you don't see, like, a lot of gore or anything. It's basically, right. like, a bunch of guys, like, slamming uh, the ground with, like, two-by-fours and yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah, it's just super disturbing. <laughs> like, yeah, I almost laughed out of not finding it funny, but, like, out of, like, holy shit, you know, like, the, the sort of uncomfortable laugh and it, and it is a little weird how they react but then again you get the sense that these guys have seen a lot of shit and they're upset mm. and the way they react is to take george's money and have like a fine meal and then go to the best brothel in new orleans like they they go
1: to the new best orleans. little whorehouse in new orleans yeah. <laughs> exactly
0: exactly um and the production design i just have to say in the actual brothel is like unbelievable it's like greek gods and antiquity and a lot of colors and a lot of ladies just kind of dancing In not even revealing outfits they're just kind of dancing it's just
1: it's called the house of blue lights
0: the house of blue lights and it's um, so evocative
1: the two uh the two women that they meet there are played by karen black who was also in uh in Five Easy Pieces. Um, Perfect. And, you know, I mean, she was in a ton of stuff. She was in Nashville. um, And, uh, (laughs) and uh, Tony Basil, who most people know as the the singer of the song, Mickey. Yep. From the 80s, you know, like, hey, Mickey, you were so fine. (laughs) That's Uh, right. Yeah, that's her.
0: Oh my god! I didn't make that connection, but yeah,
1: which is incredible. Very weird. I mean, she's done a ton of other stuff too. She uh, she choreographed the video for "Once in a Lifetime" by the Talking Heads. Oh my god! Um, Yeah, she uh, choreographed like a ton of movies, like American Graffiti, Legally Blonde, uh, that thing you do, Charlie Wilson's War, like a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff. So. But yeah, Mickey is the thing that most people would know her for. Also, yeah, we haven't been talking about this, but like the the cuts that this movie uses, I feel like are really, really cool Um, and like really effective, like the sort of like juddering. What's that technique called? Like the the cutting forward, like repeatedly before you like land on that next scene.
0: Yeah, it's like almost like a stutter effect. I yeah, I don't know if there's like a very specific. I I'm like, it's like a, in it's my like a brain. Stutter. Yeah, I'm seeing it like in the editing software. It's almost like you take a second from the next scene, you put like two seconds of the other thing, and then put a second. Mm. It's like yeah, just a it, stutter it bounces effect back and kinda, forth. Yeah. yeah, it's really wild. I found it jarring at first, and then I started to really like it and, and find it like oh yeah, we're moving now. Like we're moving along, and I wonder if this is kind of a maybe a potential compromise or a potential. Uh, technique they used to preserve some of that feeling of like, oh, there used to be flash forwards in this movie or, you know, kind of flashbacks and time worked differently in like the original cut of the movie. So they were like, okay, well let's make it linear and shorter, but we'll add this like kind of stutter effect to give a little bit of that time passing effect, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, so they meet uh, these women and <laughs> They decide to go to a cemetery and drop the acid, which is oh, I, I guess they go. They do go through Mardi Gras. They do go through the parade. I guess they're not arrested for mm-hmm. parading without a permit this time. And then they go to this cemetery for this acid scene. Which do you want to? Do you want to talk about this scene?
1: Yeah. So I feel like this is actually one of the weaker parts of the movie, and maybe sure. that's just because uh, I'm looking at it from 2020. Totally. And uh, I feel like this kind of representation of like a drug trip is kind of old hat at this point of like just the really intense cuts and voiceovers and stuff like that. A lot like, of
0: religious iconography. A lot of religious iconography.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was a little forgettable compared to the rest of the movie, which felt a little more restrained. Yeah. But there's a lot of weird stuff happening in this scene. Um So, um, there's the part where, uh, Peter Fonda's character, he's like talking to the statue of, uh, of Mary. Yeah. And, um, Dennis Hopper was like, you should talk, you should talk to that statue as if it were your mother. Right. And, uh, uh, and his
0: mother had died. Oh. His mother
1: had died so um his mother uh Frances Ford Seymour Fonda uh she committed suicide when he was 10 years old. Yeah. And so um
0: so for him to yeah, get that Yeah, Dennis Hopper is, is like,
1: <sighs> yeah, like t- talk to your your dad mother and he's just saying like why did you leave me? Why did you leave me? So it's yeah. uh kind of intense, yeah. but um yeah, a lot going on there. Um, With, like, the two women who are just, like... And everyone's sort of, like, in various states of, like, undress. And then they're, like, inside of a uh, tomb or something. Like, yeah. it's very... Uh, very strange.
0: This is the most... What you would call, especially in 1969, experimental phase of this yeah. movie, by far. Mm-hmm. Everything else follows a pretty strict, not strict, but a fairly linear narrative. But this one is just like, yeah, you, you just have no idea really what's happening. I think at the time, this probably would have been pretty groundbreaking in terms of like, oh, you're using filmic techniques. You're using all these cuts and all these, uh, you know, superimpositions and things like that to like convey a feeling. But yeah, it's not... That's the type of thing where it probably looked real fucking cool the first 27 times. And now it's just kind of like, I've I've seen this. <laughs> it would be like if you're trying to do, um, you know, like the movie from the early 2000s about drugs. Why can't I think of it? Oh, J- Jared Leto was in it. Oh, I had that soundtrack by the Kronos Quartet.
1: Oh, um,
0: White. I don't know. I can't think of the name of this movie. It's like super clear in my head what this movie is. Ellen Barkin is in it. The um, one with the
1: talking fridge. And yeah, I'll the say. one with the talking
0: fridge. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, 2000s oh movie. is okay. <laughs> like the Drags. worst. <laughs> a Requiem for yes! a Dream. Yes. Oh,
0: my God. Sorry. That was like the requiem worst fart. Requiem
1: for a Dream. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The drugs movie.
0: Ah, uh, the drugs movie. Um, I was gonna say it would be like <sighs> doing that effect a hundred times, and you get bored with it. You know, like, it's a, the speed up effect. They they did a lot of weird cutting, and it was like almost musical the way they they cut. Obviously, like the eyes, the pupils dilating, and like the sound of like heating up the heroin and all that other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. <sighs> There are parts of this movie that threatened to lose me. And this one probably threatened to lose me as much as. Mm, I don't know. There were some parts on the commune where I was like, okay, can we move along? Like I was like, Billy, it, can we
1: go? Right, can we go? Right. Like, can it we move on? the voice on? of the audience. Like, hey, yeah, yeah.
0: let's go. <laughs> We've had enough of the commune. Um, and yeah, this was like a little bit uh, losing me. Uh, although like. I don't know. I I'm kind of wondering if they were trying to like express grief here or something over George like this guy that they just kind of took his money. But uh, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little fuzzy. And they have a
1: bad trip, basically. Yeah, and um, yeah. yeah. And so they move on from that. And there's this weird bit where like. Uh, where they're moving on and then. They're having this conversation about like, oh yeah, we made it, man! Like we made it, we we got our, we made all our money, we did it, and why it's just like, we blew it, Billy, we blew it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what does that, what does that mean?
0: Like right. that
1: That's apparently insane. there was stuff cut, um, okay, which would have fill that out a bit more also that restaurant scene was supposed to be 10 minutes longer if you can imagine oh that oh my
0: god really
1: that would have been excruciating
0: yeah that would have lost me i'm not gonna lie that would have lost me a lot because as it was it was kind of cool it was like okay live the good life for like a minute that's fine um but yeah that would no
1: no have no. the me. rest not the restaurant not the nice restaurant scene
0: oh 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 the bad the oh, bad yeah, restaurant the scene jesus yeah That was already really painful. Yeah. I know. I want to thank the editor of this movie for cutting it down. (laughs) (laughs) Just because a lot of times with these kinds of effects, like less really is more. Um, Mm -hmm. And you don't need to go on for half an hour with things to get the point across and convey great and interesting things to your audience. IMO. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're, we're getting towards the end of the movie here at this point. Um, And we have, again, a fairly shocking display of violence right at the end. Uh, It's a lot, I think. Uh, And I think if I hadn't watched, like, South Park in college, I would have had a different reaction to this. Uh, But basically, another couple of good old boys are driving down the road. They see our two motorcycle men. And they just start... Kind of making fun of them and like threaten to scare them with the shotgun. But the tone here, and I think it's because they used non professional actors for actually for this and the diner scene. And the, the diner tone scene, yeah. is so like cute and funny and like, oh, haha, we're just gonna scare him. Not cute, but do you know what I mean? Like the tone is so light. And then he just fucking shoots Billy, just shoots him like with a shotgun at close range. Uh, and, and Billy, Well, he's like, oh, I'm
1: and- going to scare them. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, he's like, oh, why don't you get a haircut or something? And then, uh, Billy just gives him the finger and then he does shoot. <laughs> and, uh, like unclear if he was just trying to like scare him with the shotgun or what, but he does actually hit him. Yeah. And, uh, he's just like lying there bleeding and um why is like, oh, I'm gonna go get help. And then they're just like, like the guys on the track are just like, oh, we better go back. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we accidentally shot him, we have to go back. But, or it's just like, oh, we have to kill the other one too, so there's no witnesses. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. This was And then yeah, they, they blow they blow up his bike too, and you just see his like <laughs> explode and Land in the the grass. Yep. Yes. Roll
0: credits. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, this scene is a lot. It's kind of it's so over the top, to be honest, that I I wasn't able to take it super seriously. Like I wanna be sad for my 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 nice friends, my nice hippie friends who have been touring America and not really hurting anyone. I mean obviously like it's I guess it's not really nice that they participate in the cocaine trade, but like they're not really harmful figures. Like they don't, they don't, you know, hurt anybody. And I know that's kind of uh, Billy's whole line when he's talking to George. Like, what, what, are they afraid of? You know, that I need a haircut. Like, there's, I'm not going around robbing people or hurting people. They're just like a joke, a practical joke gone wrong. Just, just kills them. It's just fucking right. wild. Yeah it's just wild it's like do they not know how to end the movie or was this like dennis hopper's grand vision for how to end this movie well
1: they did say like there's a line in the wikipedia page that says that their original idea for the movie was sort of a modern western featuring two bikers who ride around and eventually get shot by hillbillies yeah so okay. Like, <laughs> so that just had this to happen. <laughs> seems to have been part of the plan from the very beginning
0: yeah yeah that's fair uh, it's just like I guess the rest of the movie doesn't exactly support it but um, I, it would have been better if like George shows up like undead and is just like god I'm for you boys and then it's the end
1: yeah George comes wild. back to life <laughs>
0: Um, so this is an interesting movie I find it really interesting I actually probably the thing I like the most other than Jack Nicholson's performance is the cinematography there are so many like just beautiful shots of America. Just they look mm. so good. And there's like a music video quality to so much of this movie. Um, I guess this is kind of predating uh, like the practice of doing a music video for, you know, whatever, a single or anything. Uh, this is 1969. But yeah, like it, it really is like a great tone piece, at least for the most part. Uh, so I I really enjoyed it, although I I definitely found some choices bizarre, like the ending. Uh, what did what did you think overall like what where did it leave you?
1: Yeah, no, I love this movie. awesome. Um, yeah. I feel like I, I could watch it again almost immediately. yeah, um it's just, yeah, very great texture. yeah, just good eye feel <laughs> thank you for, yeah, thank you for Jordan. that point <laughs> yeah. um, very good eye feel just it it just moves along at such a good pace for the most part, yeah. which I really like. um it's. Yeah, like the, the, the scenes where things go bad are kind of shocking. Yeah. um, But I, I like that. Like, I like that it's just kind of this sort of like smooth ride. And then there's these like spikes and yeah. things get get crazy.
0: Yeah, it, that, it is really cool how it goes from like chill, chill, chill. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which is
0: also, yeah, if not realistic, at least emotionally realistic in terms of like how... Horrible things do happen to people kind of right away and out of nothing. Um, Yeah, so I I guess I appreciate the logic of this movie. um, And the sort of, I don't know. It does have really good vibes. Uh, Even though I I really am a little sad that George got killed. I'm a little little sad about it. I'm not going to lie. I I thought he was so much fun. He could have basically been in the whole movie and I would have been okay with it. Because he's only in like, what? 10 minutes 15 minutes of the of the whole running time so yeah
1: i think that also this movie just has like a really great analysis of uh american culture like it's in ways like obviously it's not a full representation of modern america but like considering that this movie is like 50 years old yeah the whole george's whole speech about freedom and America, I feel like it's very just like, wow, this this could be like dialogue in like a a modern yeah. drama. Um, which is is really impressive. And yeah. also kind of really sad.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is pretty yeah. depressing. Yeah, the whole time watching it, I I kind of kept being like, Okay, I guess this probably would hit different <laughs> watching in 2020 versus watching in 1969, but it's sort of a, a big gap, honestly, in my own appreciation and knowledge of history of kind of like what happened to the hippie movement, the way my mom mm-hmm. always described it, because she was around, obviously, at the time, she would have been, uh, I think, 18 when this movie came out. So she would have been like the perfect time to watch it, basically. She's like, yeah, everybody just kind of got jobs and moved on. And that was it. And then, you know, obviously, there's a few holdouts in places. But just feels like a, a, an entire counterculture that just kind of died out. And that's incredibly sad. Like, I don't know. Watching it now makes me feel like, oh, fuck, well, what happened? <laughs> I'm sure there are obviously still folks who live a different lifestyle. There's still communes. There's still all this stuff. But it was big at the time. Like, people really were kind of yeah. uh, moving along en masse in some ways. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I need to learn more about hippie culture and hippie history. But I suppose that's a ride for another day. Were there, did you have any other thoughts on Easy Rider or its legacy?
1: Uh, no, I mean, I think that's that's it. Um, just a uh, great Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Hopper flick. Um and I, I do kind of want to watch the last movie now because what happened was that Easy Rider did so fucking well yeah. that Hollywood was like, oh, Dennis Hopper can do no wrong. Let's just let him do whatever the fuck he wants. And he made a, a movie called The Last Movie. Yeah, after like this. two years
0: later or so, yeah.
1: Right, yeah, in 71. And um it's about a, a stunt actor who, or like a... a filmmaker guy who leaves Hollywood to go and like just live in Peru and then finds this like that the villagers there are like making like doing like making movies but it's like a cargo cult and then they're actually killing each other and it was just a critical and commercial disaster that basically (laughs) ended Dennis Hopper's career for like a decade. Wow. And so I got to see
0: that. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like a fucking trip. Holy shit. And yeah, yeah, Peter
1: Fonda is also in that one. So is Tony Basil again. So I don't know. I think it's one of those movies that like has gotten some retrospective uh, appreciation. Yeah. But, uh, but I don't know. I'm really curious about it now.
0: Yeah, I am too, just reading about it. It's like, holy shit. And apparently, <laughs> yeah, with hours and hours of footage, Hopper holed up in his home editing studio in Taos, New Mexico. So instead of being sent away somewhere, he ended up like building his own editing studio in the same place. Wow. Where they sent him away for the first movie. That's very funny. Wow. Incredible stuff. This is an era I would love to explore more. hear it you love to see it because there's a lot of incredible change in this era and incredible filmmaking that is really really cool to see um and fun to it's fun to look at good i feel like jordan said really good i feel well thank you everyone so much for listening that's what we have for this week and we do hope you enjoyed your cinematic journey with us uh please do rate and review the podcast because it does help us so very much and if you tell a friend uh, you know, tell your friend on the motorcycle next to you or who's riding, you know, right up there with you, just tell them about it. You might, uh, you know, you might make a friend for us too. And that helps us. Uh, you can listen to all of our stuff at fanbite.com slash podcasts, follow us on Twitter at fanbite media. We've recently been verified. So, you know, you get that blue check mark tweet experience every time, uh, you can follow us on TikTok at fanbite and of course on fanbite.com. And you can watch all of our streams on twitch.tv slash fanbite. Thank you, as always, to Jordan Mallory for producing. Uh, Thank you, Jordan, for riding with us uh, this time and and always. Uh, And if you want to join our cool Discord, you can go to fanbite.casa, which will get you right there. Uh, Merritt, where can people find you online?
1: I'm on Twitter at MerrittK.
0: Excellent. Uh, with another sort of early 70s star on the, uh, as the icon.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I am at Danielle R.I. if you want to follow me. And with that, you'd love to see it. <laughs>